The goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hi, welcome to another episode of Data Transformers. I'm pleased to have with us today, Laura Ellis. She's a data leader with technical skills to implement data um, analytical projects, and she has the soft skills to uh, project success and speak analytics to a non-technical audience. So thank you, Laura, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Laura. Thanks uh, for being here. So Laura, um, you and I met on Twitter and through social media. And one of the things, and I've seen you on, on LinkedIn, you have a blog, Little Miss Data. Um, there's, you just have such a passion for data and analytics. And can you talk a little bit about um, uh, where this uh, passion came from and um, how you got started with um, analytics? Great. Yeah, um, data is one of those things that I didn't I didn't go to school to be in the field of data. And I think maybe that also represents how long I've been in the industry because data has blown up over time. Um, but data is one of those things that sort of found me as I went through my journey through uh, a combination of luck and also just encouragement. Um, so the long story is, you know, I started out when I was younger, uh, really interested in math. I liked math because math makes sense. You don't have to memorize it. And I'm not very good at memorizing. I like it when we can just figure stuff out. Um, and then I went on and I took a computer science course sort of randomly. And in that course, it was myself and another uh, female friend we just did this project and the instructor gave us an award. We won wow. the computer science award. And I never would have thought because I didn't build computers on the side or program or anything. We just did it for fun. And that little nudge of encouragement was enough to say, hey, maybe, maybe I could do this. And then the instructor said, oh, computers are blowing up. You should go into computers. So I thought, well, I wanted to be a teacher. My parents are teachers. Um, hence the Little Miss Data, teaching people about data. So I've always loved teaching, but I thought I have to major in something. So I'll just, I'll do computers. So, and then um, I had a neighbor who was an engineer. So I decided to do software engineering. Went on to engineering, um, had fun, <laughs> learned a lot. And happened that another project uh, we did end of the, it was the end of our, curriculum. So at the end of the four years, you have to do your final year project. Mm -hmm. And we did that and got to present to a panel of industry experts. And again, somehow through that made a connection and, and was able to get an interview, which I thought, well, I'm going to be a teacher for sure, but I'll just take this interview. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, Th then they offered the job and I thought, okay, well, I'll just do the job for a year, but then I'll for sure go back to teaching. Right. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, it didn't really work out that way. I ended up uh, doing a bit of software engineering 
and then moved on to work at IBM. And that's where my IBM career started. I, I got to join the DB2 warehouse team with a really cool job traveling around the world, teaching people. I was about to go back and do my, again, my teachers. And then I got a job teaching people about software. And I thought, okay, I'll just do this for a while until I go back to teaching. Um, and then it kind of, it started from there. And it just so happened that DB2, the data warehouse was my very first software product at IBM. And I've been in, in the data field ever since. And it's taken a lot of twists and turns, um, but I'll, I'll stop there for now. Just going on that journey, uh, one thing I noticed, uh, Salora, is that you also went afterwards um, to get your master's, right? And I was talking to Peggy and said, I did not realize that there's a, they have a master's in predictive analytics. So I would have expected the computer science and things like that. So they're specializing so much in predictive analytics. That you, so was it a full-time MS or was it a part-time MS? If you could talk about you know, why you thought of getting that MS and then uh, why that specialization in that analytics? Awesome question. And that leads back to the thing where I wasn't trying to be in the field of data, right? Um, so I just happened to join IBM when I was joining the DB2 warehouse team. So I got to travel around the world teaching people about that database um, for a few years. And then I got interested in how are these products built, right? Still with more of the software engineering flavor. So how do we build large enterprise software products? And I joined the release team, um, working on basically the end to end, how do we release these big products? And um, when I was doing it, they expected me on the release team to know very, very detailed information about how things were going. Hmm. So, you know, for every single feature that's being released, for every single operating system that's being released on, for all of the interactions between the features, um, for all of the different types of things like testing, SVT, FVT, like they expected to know all of the details. And at that point, I thought, well, I can't be calling all these people all the time and holding all these meetings. And then I ended up building a data system for people to input kind of how things are going and then exporting, um, basically it imported and then stored into a database and then setting up online reporting. So BI, right when kind of BI in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, when business intelligence was just sort of taking off, taking off. right? Yeah. And it wasn't data science then. It was just databases, reporting, and business intelligence. Correct. Uh, and that's when I, I realized at that point, um, I did that for a while, and then I realized I don't, I don't like release management at all. Um, but I do like data. And so I started exploring that, and I joined the operations team and was mm -hmm. doing reporting, again, when BI was really taking off. Um, and... Then I went and had my first daughter, came back. And at that point, when I came back, all of a sudden it was, it was a market. It was a very noticeable difference because I'm from Canada and I was out for a year. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, data science was a huge thing. And yeah, and it was crazy. All of a sudden it was all about data. And I was used to being the reporting analyst, you know, single person on my own, not, you know, I think people liked me, but I wasn't very exciting. You know, I wasn't like data science is cool at that mm -hmm. point. And then um, I thought about it and I thought, I love data. I've been here for, you know, almost 10 years or whatever at that time. 
Um, everybody's learning data science skills. I need to learn data science skills. And that's when I signed up for my master's um, of predictive analytics at Northwestern, which is a part-time program. So I kept working the whole time I while see. I was doing my master's at Northwestern. Okay. Yeah. Actually, while, while on that topic, if you don't mind me asking, so I mean, this is around 2014, 15, looks like uh, going back to the timeline. So can, can you go back and look at it and what, what led to the explosion of this data science suddenly? Like, I mean, this is the first time I'm hearing from you, I mean, not from you, from anybody, that somebody went out for a couple of years, you know, one or two years, when, how, how long you went out, and it came back, boom, this whole explosion. I mean, do you... Uh, can you recollect what led to the explosion, some availability of tools or something? Right. I mean, I have to admit, I was taking care of my baby. So it was a surprise to me to come yeah. back. And all of a sudden, it was a, a huge thing. And, you know, working at IBM, we'd always had a ton of data tools, right? So so certainly IBM was in that space, leading, you know, bleeding edge kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you always needed data to fuel your applications. So there was always lots happening in terms of data storage, data warehousing, data pipeline, ETL, that kind of thing. And that's the space that I've been working in. But then it started getting into this analysis space, which is the BI and reporting. Um, and, you know, I think it's probably uh, just the fact that there's an availability of data, a larger availability of data, a larger availability of compute um, that people can use. And they started to do more advanced analytics and in-depth kind of statistical um, approaches to analyzing the data to see how they could impact the business and started getting results. Um, and and it, I can't say why it happened, but it was, a definite mind shift I noticed from um, people just looking for reports mm -hmm. to people looking for insights and data science and to mobilize the data and make an impact on the business through through data. I think certainly anyone um, you know everyone knows IBM is the, the leading at leading all a lot of the technologies. So. Um, and I'm sure that externally as well, a lot of other industries were focused on data science as well. So uh, was there a particular reason why you chose um, predictive analytics? I'm sure there were other types of data science degrees because you could have easily have just studied like Python or R or you know a programming language, but why did you pursue um, a master specifically? That's a, that's a very good question. Um, so I pursued a master's because I thought, well, when I was graduating from software engineering, um, there was an option to do a master's, but truthfully, I thought, well, first of all, I'm going to be a teacher, but second <laughs> of all, I'm not passionate about anything enough right now to do a master's. And, and you really have to be passionate to do any form of education that's that long, right? Whether it's, you know, any form of education that you do. Um, and so I didn't do it then, but I finally realized, okay, I am very passionate about data. And so I would like to do a master's in it. And I don't know. So I know the software engineering aspect. I know the data warehousing aspect, the BI, but I don't know the statistical modeling. And you can't, you know, I don't know the statistical background to start applying these techniques. And that's the type of thing that I think um, you can certainly learn it from all sorts of varieties. But it is the type of thing that also is really beneficial through a more structured program. 
Um, and that's why I, that's why I did my master's, but the reason I, that's why I did my master's in that area. But the reason I was even interested in statistics is because at that point I'd been doing, um, business analyst kind of work for a while, like SQL queries and, um, BI reports. And I was noticing that people were asking me, so if you think about a business analyst, they're telling you the facts right? Here are the facts. We have data. Here's what happened. But people were starting to ask me questions about data that didn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. So I could tell them, here's the trend. And they'd say, where is it next quarter? And I'd be like, well, there's not data on next quarter. So factually, I cannot tell you that. Right. Or they'd say, is this number different than this number? And, and you know, being a literal data analyst, I'm like, yes, it is absolutely a different number, <laughs> you know, and they're saying, but is it different enough? And really what they meant was, is there a statistically significant difference between the numbers? And so I was noticing that people were transitioning from asking me about actual realities that happened, you know, data we know to start asking me about you know using data about things we don't know it hasn't happened yet for example and then I, that's why i really wanted to explore these magical tools everyone was talking about with data science yeah so this is great so actually laura said this is one of the areas um, um you said you have heard some of our episodes you know we focus on a lot of aspects of the data privacy governance management and ethics and then this is one of those episodes we are getting a little deep into data science and i love it Right, so, so, so thank you. And then um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, there was an explosion of data science, as you said, in 2014, 15. And just yesterday I read an article, I don't remember, it's Forbes or somewhere. It said, why are good data scientists leaving the field? Okay, mm. so now I'm seeing more of such articles where people came into the field with a lot of excitement, with hope, man, I'm gonna change the world kind of a thinking. And then they come in and I think, it's not all it cracked up to be, you know, as I'm being asked to do data storytelling, I'm being asked to, you know, do business side of the things and all this. I, I don't know if these are the reasons, but um, now that you're steeped into data science, you associate with it, what's your take on this? It, are data scientists kind of fed up or a little bit? Uh, are they being asked to do too much? If you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think on the high level, it's a lot of misalignment of expectations and where the industry's at. Um, so, so my experience wasn't so different from that, but it turned out positive. So, you know, I did get my master's. I was able to practice data science techniques throughout my whole master's um, and then working as a data science for a while. And I think I started in 2013. So, um, and then kind of come out of that around uh, 2015, 16, and I, joined IBM Cloud at that time. So going from a product team where we had we had medium large amount of data, um, but it was still manageable. You're still able to do it like in SPSS or locally on your computer at that time and, um, and applying data science techniques. And then I joined IBM Cloud right when it was Bluemix at that time, meaning it was just being launched, right? Mm -hmm. IBM Cloud was just starting to become a cloud at that time. And um, I joined to be a data scientist, but when I showed up, I had the same experience that probably almost a lot of these data science data scientists you're talking about have, where they show up and and in education, it's almost like 
like in your formal education, whether it's through um, a MOOC or, you know, any sort of course or master's or, or certification, doesn't matter. Uh, there's just not this focus on getting the data, wrangling the data, all this stuff. And yeah, and, and A, it doesn't prepare them, but B, it really sets their expectations, I think, in, in the wrong direction. So, you know, I showed up and I'm like, I'm ready to do all the data science here, <laughs> you know? And, you know, what I realized is, first of all, they didn't need one magician data scientist. Not that I am that, but they didn't need just like one human running models all day. Okay. And the data wasn't mobilized and ready to go in everything we needed. And honestly, this is how I transitioned into data working on data democracy and data pipeline and engineering for a while is because what I realized is what we needed at that time was to just get data in the hands of the people that needed to do their jobs. Like you can't have one person answering all the questions. You need people to serve themselves. And, you know, that was my experience of what we needed at that time. But I think what often happens is data scientists are hired to be a data scientist and they show up. And in fact, what the company needs is data analysts, you know, data engineers, um, data architects, uh, even just data communicators, right? Yeah. And it's hard because they love making models and that's not what the company needs at that time. Hmm. It, it's, it's very interesting you say that, and I completely agree with you, Laura, that uh, I think the um, there was so much hype with um, data scientists. I think a lot of traditional engineers out of college and graduate school apply to be a data scientist job. And then the reality is, like you said, the data isn't available for them to do all the modeling. And um, sometimes I, I've noticed they also don't have the, the business subject matter expertise to apply um, their data modeling skills as well. I mean, I, I've observed that, but what do you think in terms of other um, skill gaps that uh, a data scientist needs to have as well in order to be effective? Yeah, it's absolutely. So, and actually, I, I forget who said it, but somebody said this on your podcast, actually, that <laughs> um, they were saying that you you need to have the industry experience, of course, but also for the specific business or situation you're analyzing, you really need to take some time to try to get, you know, a, a good level of subject matter uh, understanding as well. And that is also a bit, that that's necessary just to do your job because um, the gotchas aren't typically in the way you model it. They're not, you know, when you're talking about um, having ineffective analysis or ineffective models or frankly, you know, incorrect or, or whatever the issues would be. They're not typically because you've chosen the wrong model or, um, you know, you did something really incorrect with your feature engineering. It, it is a lot because maybe you didn't know the data pipeline um, mm -hmm. or even more so, you didn't understand the landscape of the subjects that you were operating within. And I think it's a really important to give um, that healthy respect to the subject area that you're operating with and become best friends with those subject matter experts. 
And that comes with experience in the space. So you, you just end up being better if you kind of stay in a particular domain over time, or you could be a generalist, but you also learn that over time too. Um, just being a data scientist, you, you start to um, have less expectations of rolling out a model in a day in a field that you've never worked in. Um, and more expectations of spending a ton of time understanding a new business area and a little bit of time doing the modeling. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, that has been uh, coming along. I, maybe Dr. Bonnie Hollab is the one who said, I think, if I remember correctly, what you're mentioning. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.